to be talking sports. It's the matchup. Mickey here with Zizzy. Yeah, we're cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. The Mickey Zizzy podcast. Hey, it's another episode, but I'm a trick, everybody. Mickey, take it away, big guy. Now, we are going to talk week three NFL. And all I got to say is, don't call it a comeback because we've been here for years. The Chicago <laughs> Bears down, I'm pretty sure, 16 to the Atlanta Boo Boo Falcons. Chicago comes back walking with a new backup, which we are going to debate about why he should not be in. But Nick Foles is once again showing that he is the greatest backup of all time. <laughs> and you know what? I have to agree. But that doesn't mean that the Bears are going to be as good as they are. I mean, 3-0, 3-0. I just, it's a false narrative, everybody. I'm telling you. Wrong. All right, well, explain it to me. Since you want to come high and mighty on the Bears to start a damn Mickey Zizzy podcast show, you have to explain yourself, sir. The absurdity. I give you a lob up. That was like a Rondo lob or even, I mean, Jimmy Butler. And I mean, I'd say it to anybody right now. But we it's, it's a Rondo lob after game two right there to AD down there for a perfect introduction. And you're going to start with the Bear. <laughs> Anyway, what's up, big guy? Talk to me. Explain to me this. So, fans, as we know, Chicago had a great comeback win over Atlanta. Now, I'm going to talk about some things before we get to the biggest thing that helped them win this game. Now, first, when you're David Montgomery and you have 14 carries for 45 yards, I'm okay with that, but the running game has to be better for the Chicago team to work. We have Cordell Patterson back there. He's definitely a put-the-ball-in-his-hand-go-make-a-play type of guy. But when you have Allen Robinson um, extend A-Rob for 10 catches, 123 yards, you need to have that on a consistent basis. you got to have these ball players go out and make plays. we got Jimmy Graham with 60 yards. He's actually playing like a two tight end again. Two yes, tutties. two tutties. And then that defense fight, hey, we gave up too many points. Granted, we're in some pretty sticky situations, but let's go out and ball. And that's what they did. Kyle Fuller needs to, I think, uh, be a bigger part of this defense, though. And not to make too many mistakes. And they're playing. They're back to that Chicago Bear defense. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like that's what they would always have to do. I mean, let's not forget that the Bears, I believe it's two seasons ago now, were still that absolute dominant, almost reminiscent of 85-type Bears defense. And then last year, I mean, they fell off a little bit. But you can't even repeat a year like that. So they're still the heart and soul of this team. They do play well for the most part. They've been down now a couple games but then when they the thing is when they get down they don't allow the other team to continue to score they hang around they stay in the game and it's allowed the offense to provide some comeback wins now let's get to the story of that entire game Uh, (sighs) ladies and gentlemen we could we could throw it back a few episodes i i believe there was a hot take at at the beginning of the year we we said that i think i said that mitchell trubisky would not be starting by week four. And week three, with Nick Foles stepping in and delivering an absolute gem of a performance. I don't understand what it is about this guy, but 
he comes off the bench and wins games. Doesn't matter how far behind. He even threw an interception coming off the bench and then still threw three touchdowns and enough to come back and win. Like, it's it's insane what the man can do, especially with the right coaching and the right system because we've seen him in some places where he hasn't succeeded, obviously Jacksonville. Um, but, I mean, he just continues to succeed in his role. And I don't know – and, I mean, I would expect him to have the full backing of the rest of the team. But for him to come in and produce and do exactly what Matt Nagy needed them to do, you know that Nick Foles is starting in week four. Like, Mitch Trubisky, you got to sit down, man, take that L. I know that you love him, Nicky. And I'm not going to say that he doesn't have talent, but we saw what the Bears could actually be with a real quarterback at the helm. Okay? Like, the Bear, you I, – I, I'm giving you an out here. Like, I'm telling you the Bears can be good. But they've got to let go of Mitch. They it, it, at some point you got to like I, I know it's hard to pull the trigger on somebody that got drafted so high, but that's just my take on it. Um, and then on the other side of things, the Falcons, man. I mean, just letdown after letdown. I, again, we talked about coaching on the previous episodes here on the Mickey Zizzy podcast. I don't know if I I don't know what else to blame. I don't know as a player. Like I haven't even been in a position where I've really given up crazy leads as especially being a defensive player. So I'm just not sure what's going on in Atlanta, but they need to fix it and they need to fix it now. With Atlanta, I think it does go a little bit on the coaching side for all this happening. And I mean, they're not that necessarily bad of a squad. Their defense does lack a little bit, but I think it does go with coaching. So I think they need to figure out something there. That's my take about Atlanta. Now, Talking bad about my man Mitch. Hey, Mitch hey. Tenga Trubisky. Hey. Like I said to start this podcast, this episode, Nick Foles is the best backup quarterback of all time. And this is why we brought him in. So when Mitch is struggling, you can throw him in, and Nick Foles will go win you a game. Nick Foles has shown that once a starter trying to be that lead guy, trying to be the dude, he does not win. Zero and five in Jacksonville. Then he got hurt. Granted, he got hurt. I'm not okay. going to stress on that okay. point. Okay. When everyone tries to hype up, oh, he took him to the Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl MVP. Someone was trying to tell me this the other day. I'm like, yeah, but who was that dude at that time? Carson Wentz got hurt. Your backup is playing. He was not the starter. If Carson Wentz was healthy, he would have played throughout the entire playoffs, and nobody can tell me different. So Wentz, walk it to him, Wentz, was their starter, and then he got hurt. So the backup had to come and fall out, and that's what he did as a backup. He was not that dude in Philly. He was the backup because Wentz was hurt. Now we have an opportunity to see next week if he is that dude. And I'm sorry, I'm still not going to say it because I'm seeing in the past. I'm seeing him trying to lead Jacksonville. You don't have that many weapons. I get that. But you are the best back of all time. You're good at coming off the bench. And don't get me wrong, he definitely throws the ball. And we were snapping after this. And he had a very nice game. If you check my Bears recap on Snapchat. He should have had five touchdowns, low-key. The one interception was a kind of 50-50 ball. And then Anthony Miller drops it in the end zone on a fourth and, like, 11. Like, Nick low-key should have had, like, five tutties in a quarter and a half. So, that's great. That's what great backups – I mean, the GOAT of backups does. But I just can't picture him being a quarterback for the rest of the year. I don't see him taking it out 12 games from now. You know, I mean – I believe when he was the starter for an actual season, like going into a season in Philly, it wasn't that he had a bad year. I think he got hurt there too. He has not, I know he's never been able to remain consistent, especially consistently healthy. Um, And I'm with you. I do agree that he's, he's gotta be, he's up there for the definitely like in the running 
if not, if anything. But Nick Foles for the greatest backup of all time. I understand that argument. I mean, I think it is true. It holds true. But again, you're right when you're talking about the Eagles. It wasn't his team. It was Carson Wentz's team. And that year when Carson Wentz got hurt, he was playing at an MVP level. I believe if he didn't get hurt, he would have won the MVP that year. So I'm with you. And obviously, I agree. I again agree with you that he would have been the quarterback going throughout the playoff. We would have never even seen Nick Foles on the field. I agree. But that's not what happened. And we still saw Nick Foles do what he did against playoff teams, against great competition. It doesn't matter if you're the backup. I understand. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, he was the one on the field. He still has to produce, no matter if you're the backup or not. And he's proven when it comes down to it, when you need him in clutch time, he always is there. And that's what has also made him so great coming off the bench. And that's what made him great this week. Um, Moving forward, I think I'm not saying that he's the answer. But I do think that he gives the Bears a better chance to be competitive than Mitch Trubisky. That's just my take. So going off your take, my last point about this game and my Mitch Trubisky Trubisky bandwagon, I'm not going to hop off of it. I'm not going to burn the wagon and hop off. I'm not going to hop on the uh, big Nick train, all right? I'm going to wait and see what he does. I want him to prove me wrong because if he proves me wrong, my Bears win. So it's kind of a win-win here. I'm either my point is right or the Bears win. So I'm waiting for him to prove me wrong because I don't want to hop on there and be like, ha-ha, you believed in another quarterback that did not produce for you. I'm going to stick with my guy, Mitch. He's going to have another game sometime this season to really earn his stripes back. But we're going to see. I'm going to give him a few weeks here, Nick Bulls, two or three weeks to finally decide if I'm staying or I'm hopping off. Okay. All right. Understandable. Yes. Moving forward, Zizzy, there is another game I would like to talk about. And it's kind of it was kind of a boring one, but the Houston Pittsburgh because as everyone knows, it kind of happened after um, just recently. But we'll get into that next one. But uh, Houston, zero and three, lost to Pittsburgh, twenty eight twenty one. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard seeing when you look at a team like Houston. Like, don't get me wrong, they gave away D Hop. They've made some. They let Jadavion Clowney. I think they traded him away too, and they didn't get. And they got all these small pieces that I just don't think are worth it. Or they gave away big time draft picks to get a Laramie Tunzel on the offensive line to get some other people. So like, I just I'm not sure what Bill O'Brien is doing as the head coach and GM. I'm not sure what qualified him to do both positions also at the same time. But, yeah, they've made questionable decisions. But you can't tell me that the Houston Texans were supposed to be an 0-3 team. But have you seen their schedule? Like, that's the best opening stretches I've ever seen for a football team in today's day and age of football. To go Chiefs, Ravens, Pittsburgh, oof. Like, those are very – very, very good teams to go against every single time. So um, I, I feel for them. I don't. Th- I think that Deshaun Watson is still played, honestly, relatively very well in my opinion, uh, considering the weapons at his disposal. Like Randall Cobb, don't get me wrong, good receiver, but he's getting old. Uh, Will Fuller, I mean, he's been great, but he's never been consistently healthy. And then Kenny Stills, I mean, I don't even want to get started on him. He came from Miami, so um, I just it's hard to say that they're going to continue to lose and I don't think that they will. I think they'll find their stride, but they're just you're seeing the impact of some of the offseason decisions of uh, hurting them right now and the fact that they don't have those 
plays to where they can go over top and break a game open. Or when they're down late, they don't have somebody to go to other than Deshaun trying to do it all. And I just, it's not going to work for them. They're not going to be able to sustain it for a, for a whole season. And yeah, they've played horribly tough competition, but they're 0 3. You definitely hit the nail on that one. Houston has been schedule screwed over playing two of the top teams in the AFC. And the Texans are definitely a top five team, in my opinion, from last year. And with those offseason moves, you got rid of the best wide receiver in the NFL, that being Hopkins. But you also get David Johnson. I'm okay with that. But when you have 23 yards of offense, granted he had a touchdown. Did he have a touchdown? Yeah. That's tough to do as an offense. You only ran the ball 15 times. You have David Johnson who's supposed to be kind of a, an elite guy. But then the receiving. Will Fuller is not that that dude. Will Fuller is a very good number two receiver. He's a guy who's going to be like, oh, we forgot about him because we were keying up on D-Hop. Well, now they have Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb. Granted, they were great receivers, but I think Will Fuller is definitely better, so he's going to be keyed up here. And Will Fuller's like, man, I don't get open as much as I used to. Like, they're planning for me, and they – we already know the difference between Will Fuller and D-Hop is huge. So that's where you say the receiving is falls down for them. Yeah, exactly. And then on the other side of things, I mean, Pittsburgh coming into this season, I don't think there would be anybody that didn't rank that defense in the top five coming into this season. They have a very, very good defense, very solid, both against the pass and the run. And then, the one thing I guess that I just didn't realize last year, like don't get me wrong, they were still eight and eight last year with a third string quarterback at the helm. But I guess it's just I don't know if it's age or just how long he's been in the league, but I just really forgot how much Ben Roethlisberger really means to this football team. Like I understand that it's not like he's blowing people out of the water with stats, but I mean two hundred and forty yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Like you're playing solid football. It allows defenses, they have to honor him because he's going to the Hall of Fame. He still has skill. He's maybe not as mobile nowadays, but the man can still play ball. And then they have weapons outside. They've got Eric Ebron now at tight end. They have Juju. They have uh, James Washington and the, uh, Dante Johnson, um, even though he didn't play this week. But still, like they have weapons to throw the ball to, so it's getting spread around. It's opening up lanes for James Conner. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're, th- they're 3-0. They're the exact opposite of the Texans. They do look good. They look very good, and I expect them to be a very big competitor moving down the stretch. Also talking about Pittsburgh, they're playing winning football. We have James Conner. Uh, shout out to his book that I have, Fear is a Choice. Really great read because he also held cancer um, back in the day when he was in college. Uh, go read that book. But James Conner. 100 yards, one touchdown. That's what you want out of your back for 18 uh, carries. Okay, that's fine. Like You already talked about Big Ben. Big Ben's trying to come back, make that comeback player of the year kind of status. But then on the receiving end, it's a really big thing. Eric Ebron was their uh, most receiver, most yards with 52 because it was so even out, and Big Ben's just playing winning football. He's not going to bomb it down the field like he used to. He's kind of playing that Drew Brees offense. Dip and doink here. You have Eric Ebron, five receptions. Juju, four. James Conner, four. James Washington, five. Like, they're all nothing like above five. And their yards are from 30 to 50 yards. So, everyone's getting the love. They're spreading out, and they're just playing winning football. Pittsburgh is very good at that. And that defense, like you said, is a very scary defense. Mm-hmm. And when you can play kind of the slow place, you don't need big plays to win a ball game on the offensive side. We have that kind of defense. Yep. The but well, the biggest credit I could ever give to Mike Tomlin because he was so scrutinized when the Steelers gave him the job originally all those years ago. But 
the one thing that he knew was Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers football team's identity. He knows to play good defense and run the football if you can. And they continue to do it. And then now that Big Ben's back and they can spread it around when they have to play action it or throw the ball in certain situations, they are dangerous. They are a good football team. Yeah, definitely moving forward. I have one more game I would love to talk about because I hated the outcome. That being Cincinnati versus the Philadelphia Eagles, a tie. Shout out to everybody in the Pickums. Now that we all have a tie, love that. (laughs) So, granted, the Eagles are not the Philadelphia Eagles from the past years. We know this. Carson walked it to him, went is okay. I don't think he's very good. But Joe Burrow for Cincinnati, another 300-yard game. Granted, he's throwing the ball 40-plus times. He's playing very good football for this whole offense going into his hands. Now, Joe Mixon, I'm one of those guys that forget that Joe Mixon's a good back, and I don't want to admit that he's a good running back because I don't like him that much. Mm -hmm. But he's had a few good games this year. And then on the receiving end, I mean, yeah, they got T. Higgins and A.J. Green, but those aren't those guys. Tyler Boyd is out here coming with 125 yards. Like, Joe Burrow's just giving it to dudes, making plays. T against also had two touchdowns that game. But mm-hmm. Cincinnati, guess they needed this because it wasn't a loss. So, they're going to definitely turn this program around. Granted, they're still going to be the Bengals because of the division they're in. It's a very tough division. But just ending in a tie, come on. Yuck, NFL. Yeah, I mean – Nobody likes a tie. But you can't tell me that there weren't opportunities for somebody to score in that overtime. Like, uh, I don't know. The Eagles have played sloppy and ugly. Carson Wentz has been, dare I say, like, inaccurate and subpar. Like, <laughs> like, like, he does not look like the Carson Wentz that I was talking about earlier that was MVP status a couple of years ago. So he's got to figure it out. Luckily, Jalen Hurts fumbles the ball when he comes into the game, so he's not like not looking like he has too much pressure on him yet. But like, they're zero and two and one. <laughs> like, you're the Philadelphia Eagles with a team that is supposed to have MVP caliber quarterback at the helm with good receivers when healthy. Like, you guys are supposed to, and it's not like their defense is bad. Their defense is the only thing keeping them in games right now. So. Like, they're a solid team, but they don't have a win yet on the season. And now they're tying. Like, ugh, just oh, ties. I hate them, too. They're they're awful. But, I mean, tying the Bengals, which last team I last year I want to say took 13 weeks to get their first win. So, um, credit, credit the Bengals, honestly, this year. for Through the first three weeks, they have been competitive in every single game that they've played. It's been impressive to watch, especially knowing how awful they were last year. But – Joe Burrow has this team galvanized. He seems to be able to throw the ball on – I mean, he's played some quality defenses and still thrown for over 300 yards through the first three weeks as a rookie. So, he looks good. See if he can do it again next week and break the record um, for three straight weeks of a rookie doing that. But I don't I don't know. Like, it's, it's ugly to see a tie, but I think it's even uglier that it's the Eagles tying the Bengals, like just on – just for the sake of the Eagles. No doubt. My last point here is kind of on the coaching side of Doug Peterson, who I think is a very good coach, very, very good in the NFL. Granted, he won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback, like we talked about earlier. But for you to punt in an instant towards the end of overtime, I was listening to another podcast, pardon my take, shout out them. But there's like, that's such a dumb head move. Why would you punt it? Why wouldn't you take a shot as far as you can and hope for, you know, a little fail Mary, Hail Mary action? 
I think that was just kind of, you know, you're not risking it to get the biscuit there. You're just playing it safe. Cool, we'll punt it. Don't blow up a big play with a few remaining seconds left on the clock. I think you just got to take a shot in an instant because I'd rather, I don't know. I don't know if I'd rather lose or get a tie. I mean, honestly, I'd rather go out, you know, swinging than a tie. I think I'm going to say it. Well, I think it's the, that's a message that goes to the players, right? Like, that is a mental game to me. So I'm with you. I actually will agree with you on that. Um, I do think that, like, yeah, it would have been what? Like, even if he tried to kick a field goal, it would have been what, like 65? Like, I understand that if you're given the ball, like if he misses that, you're giving the ball away to the Bengals and a chance to where they have maybe one or two plays maybe to try and get down the field and get in the field goal range, and then maybe they win. But, yeah, nobody likes a tie. And then on top of it, you're the head coach. You have to be the tone setter. And I just feel like as a as a former player, like I would want to see my coach galvanize the team and believe in us to take that chance, believe in the leg of a kicker. And like, because if he makes it, that it's, it's that's done or not, done or not, all the difference in the world. But um, I don't know. That's one of those like that's a personal preference thing. How much do you want to risk it? How risk averse are you, um, Doug Peterson? Man, got to drop the nuts, big guy. Yes. Is there any other games you would like to watch? Those are the big three games I kind of wanted to talk um, about here. You know, I'm I'm actually going to just have my closing remark for this episode, guys. We just want to do a quick update on week three to get everything back to source with you. But how about them Dolphins, baby? We back in the win column! 31-13 on Thursday night primetime. Everybody likes to make fun of Thursday night because it's not like Sunday or Monday. But, hey, I'll take it when Miami's getting dubs, everybody was favoring Jacksonville because nobody ever believes in us. And then Fitz Magic shows up with two touchdowns, galvanizing the team. My man, uh, Miles Gaskin out there with 22 carries, being a workhorse. Devontae Parker is our man. And our defense looks great. I'm telling you, man, like we have been competitive in three straight games. I know that we have only won one of them, but we are competitive. I don't know when Tua will play because Ryan keeps doing Fitzmagic keeps doing stuff like this where he shows up and he gets his big time dubs. I mean, 18 for 20? Put him on Sports Center. Put that beard on Sports Center. That man looks good. But uh, I just had to get my uh, one time fins up uh, shout out for the week. So we are one and two on the comeback trail. Uh, AFC East. I know Buffalo and uh, New England's looking good, but we're still here. Real quick to add to your one of your closing remarks. This is my last remark, but uh, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hope you would win. The one win they had on week one against Indianapolis oh, was a fluke. I don't want to hear it either. You have James Robinson, who I think is a very poor running back for the Jacksonville. And then at the receiving court, James Robinson. I'm sorry, trash bags. Keelan Cole, who? Chris Conley was good once upon a time. And then Tyler Eifert's maybe the only weapon I would say that is good for Jacksonville. And he only had two receptions. And Minshew, granted, I love his flow. I love his stash. But, uh, you know, 275, zero tutties, like one interception. Of course you're going to win if you just have a decent game. But Jacksonville ain't nothing. Okay. But that's where I'm saying, like, I do credit the Dolphins defense. Because we still don't have – we don't have Byron Jones back, whatever else. We need everybody out there on defense. But when everybody's healthy, we have one of the best secondaries in the NFL as of right now. And our defensive numbers are getting better against the run. That's our one issue that we got to keep working on. But we still have a bunch of money in cap space coming up. I'm not saying that this year is our year. I'm just saying that everyone needs to take notice 
that Miami is at least competitive because next year, it, mm, 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 all right. You already talking about next year. Close this out, you <laughs> bum. Close it oh, out. Let me talk to sports. Just a matchup. Mickey Hubert says he ever cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. The Mickey Zizzy Podcast. Have a great night, everybody. Peace. Peace.